Hello, everyone. I'm Trent Luce. Welcome to another edition of Rural Routes, the program where we gather every day at this time. Hank Vogler, we do it Monday through Friday anyway. And what we do when we gather is continue to address the issues between rural and urban America. It's a Monday. That means Hank Vogler is checking in all perky and ready to take on the week, the day, the month from North Spring Valley, Nevada. Hey, June's half yes, over, sir? brother. Did you know that? Oh, just about dead half over, by golly. There's not yeah. a there's a thirty days have April, June, and November, and mm-hmm. so yeah, we don't get that extra little bump. Mm-hmm. Are you celebrating Dairy Month properly? Oh, absolutely. I drink milk usually every day, very seldom mm-hmm. ever miss. Okay, whole milk too. No, no skim, green cap stuff. I drink the red cap stuff, yeah. by golly. I drink my coffee black and my milk with heavy cream. That's just what I do. I had a very interesting. um, It's going to become a rural route this week. I'm just telling folks because the conversation actually lasted uh, 40 minutes with a gentleman from Florida, Jacksonville, Florida, named Brett Floyd. No, sorry, Brett. Brett Lloyd, not Floyd, Lloyd. And he spent 40 years taking prescription drugs, excuse me, for uh, depression, hearing voices, uh, schizophrenic. 40 years, Hank. And it got really bad. I mean, don't know why. he, He doesn't know why he made it through 40 years. And in the past two years, he found the cure. Dare you guess what the cure is for mental... the news? Huh? <clears throat> it, Turned it, her TV off? Uh, no. No. Uh, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he, he walked us through in 40 minutes, and, and you're going to get to hear the whole story, but in 40 minutes, he walked us through how doctors would prescribe this drug and that drug, and at times on 12 different prescription drugs for mental health. What, how, how could anybody be sane with taking 12 prescription drugs? And he found a guy who was talking about the key to mental health is meat consumption. And so finally it got so bad, and his wife was there as his support, um, he found two different articles and read pieces by, or watched pieces by individuals who talked about the carnivore diet is the absolute best way to improve your mental health. And two years after he started eating nothing but meat, no vegetables, meat. He's prescription free. He's 90 pounds lighter. He's a, a perfectly sane mind. You can watch him on my YouTube channel for 40 minutes. Meat eating is the key wow. to mental health. And that it, it's just a crying, sh- it's a crime actually, that public health officials do not endorse. I'm not saying that I'm a proponent of eating meat and nothing else. What I am saying is that it's such a huge component of of mental and human health that for people to even gesture that you should eliminate it is the worst thing that could happen to a human being. Well. If you go back to when we were hunter gatherers, uh, you eat meat or, or not, uh, not eat at all, practically. Most of the, and as, as we moved into colder climates, 
there were just short windows that actually you could graze on grass and things like that or or, or you know plants and berries you had to eat meat mm-hmm. and that and you could keep meat all through the winter freezing it or, or drying it or yeah we were meat eaters and i'm sure that it has had a profound effect on our entire system is it the adkins diet also the thing where you uh that's supposed to help you with diabetes and all of those things by by eating meat more than other things yeah it's so, a high protein low carbohydrate diet oh by the way in 2008 yeah, yeah. that was one reason that he had a sympathetic ear to this in 2008 he did the Atkins diet for a year, and it just did wonderful things for him. But for some reason, he turned away from it. Because, Hank, until the last how many years, I'm, I'm going to say three, we have not had anybody that really focused on diet and its relationship to mental health. And so he didn't put two and two together and get four. But because he did remember huh. that experience of the Atkins diet in 2008, and it was a positive one, it it was it created his mind to being more open to pursuing this but just for him to walk through what it was like on day 10 what it was like at day 24 on eating meat only it's just incredible well and the mental health business as i think it is possibly in some respects become uh, would not want to recognize something as simple <laughs> as <laughs> eating a t-bone you know you gotta take these pills uh wh- what's the deal we have all this stuff about bipolar and we have all these mental health things i never heard of as a kid did you no. did you ever hear of no. all these things that we supposedly an attention deficit disorder yeah see that's uh, that's something else that deficit we, disorder was it's not it's lack of proper nutrition and and brett and i actually talk about that in our long conversation it's that is the worst part of this whole scenario is that we are putting kids on retinol and all of these other pharmaceuticals and i'm not an anti-pharmaceutical guy but i use pharmaceuticals when needed and if you have your kids on the right diet you don't need to put them on some drug to get them to pay attention well when I suffered with attention deficit disorder, my mother cured it with a good hard right. <laughs> there too, nutrition you know. and and lack of parenting whoopings, lack of whoopings <coughs> and nutrition. That's what fixes ADD. Yeah. And if you went to school and you got in trouble in school. You didn't want to go home because you were going to get way worse treatment at home than you ever did at school. So, yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, mister. Yes, missus. <laughs> yes, miss. I mean, you never knew a teacher's first name. They were Mrs. Madden, Mrs. Waldo, Mrs. Whatever. It was not. <laughs> and, yeah, there was a di- different day and time, I guess. <laughs> so, Anyhow, I, yeah, I think we overprescribe. There, if you sedate somebody, they're pretty calm and they'll kind of sit in the corner and not bother anybody. But that doesn't cure anything, you know. Uh, that, that just that's like the old years ago. They used to give people a frontal lobotomy, and and of course they just sat and looked out the window, and they were controllable. 
And I'm sure that there's always things that go wrong, but I am sure that diet, exercise, nutrition, fresh air, all of those things that you would have been involved in as a hunter-gatherer was, you know, now we have perfect environments. We turn the air conditioner on. We turn the heat on. Uh, we go to the grocery store, you know. We we get so smart, we're going to defund the police. I, and, and, and we've already defunded the farmers. So, yeah, it's, you know, it, it gives us plenty of time uh, to uh, think of stupid things to do. <laughs> oh, I am so going to run with that. The Democrats, they know they can defund. They defunded farmers, so now they're working on defunding the police. <laughs> and yeah. to be fair, that's not only a Democrat. It's That's both sides of the aisle have contributed to that. But I'm just so tired yeah. of these handouts and go sign up for this program. Go sign up for this payment. Go get. The, I'm not doing any of it, Hank. And it's time that the U. I, I, well, I can't tell you this, but I'm going to tell you when I come back. I haven't shared this with anybody, but I got a phone call from Shorty. Or I called Shorty Hofer, my friend from Conrad, Montana, at the uh, Midway Colony. He said, "Trent, are you getting any of your money?" I said, "No, I don't do that. I don't take government money." And he was telling me all of the stipulations that are behind that, and it's just absolutely ridiculous. But then Shorty said what I'm going to start with when we come back after the break. He said, well, if the USDA would just do what they should be doing, we wouldn't have to worry about trying to make up for the, the problems that we've had. So that's where we'll pick it up on a Monday with Hank Vogler checking in from North Spring Valley, Nevada. No doubt we'll have a sheep story or two as well. More roll route after this. All right, off the bat today, I want to talk about genomics. You know, we're in the certified Piedmontese business. That means that we look at the genes present in our calves. We make sure the myostatin gene from the Piedmontese breed is present, and we do all of that thanks to Neogen. Neogen is now looking at the internal components of genetics so that you know what alleles are present, what are not. The main purpose of this in Neogen and in the beef business, it's called the Igenity Program, is a partnership with consumers to protect and enhance the world's level of food and animal safety. Neogen offering a diverse suite of solutions for food, beverage, animal protein, and agricultural industries empowers customers to safeguard their brands and create better products. It's the next level of science and precision agriculture. Get more information about the genetic components of Neogen on the web at neogen.com. Back in three, two, one. Welcome back to Roll Route. Trent Lewis alongside Hank Bogler checking in as he does every Monday from North Spring Valley, Nevada. All right, so my local TV channel in Kearney, Nebraska calls me. I won't say who it was. doesn't matter. Calls me as they do once in a while when they get a farm story. They, they want somebody to come with a different point of view. They call me and ask me to do this or that. And Somebody, I got an idea who it was. Somebody planted in their head that there is still money left from our 2019 flood disaster money that was set aside and farmers aren't signing up for it. And so they did a piece and this guy sends me a note and he said, would you be willing to join me uh, on an interview talking about why farmers aren't doing this and what do we need to do? I said, sure. 
And so he had the representative of Farm Bureau. He had an insurance guy, and he and he talked to me. Guess which one of the three did not make the final cut on the news? Um, is this multiple choice or, or yeah? You have A, B, Mr. or C, Mister Loose. Yeah, because <laughs> I, I he he thinks he even had the wrong topic. I because I sent him a note and I said, "Well, I see you didn't like anything of what I had to say. You didn't use it." Well, I realized halfway into the conversation I, that that you weren't talking about what I was asking. Yes, I was. He asked me about why farmers aren't taking this money, and all I did was talk about I wish the USDA would spend time focusing on price gouging from the farm to the fork. I wish USDA would spend time on getting our products exported around the world. I wish USDA would spend less time trying to find a way to, another way to give somebody a dollar or give a WIC program another dollar. Why don't the USDA do their job and then people wouldn't need to worry about going in to sign up for a program. Not one bit of that got on the air, Hank Bogle. Well, the thing of it is, is you, you started it in your first segment there, Laddie Buck. You... You just told the world that if you get a proper diet, it cures a lot of things, or it certainly helps a lot of things. I'm not quite ready to step completely across yeah, the line I'm not either. and say we don't need any drugs. Or, no, but no. it helps. You want to help a farmer? Why don't you do some deregulation? Why don't you get off of their back? Why don't you help them rather than give them, here it uh. comes, a little shot of cash to to sort of give them a frontal lobotomy so they go set in the corner. Yeah. And continue to produce yeah. so much excess. Holy cow. Yeah, you, be quiet you, here. You just nailed it. That's exactly what it is. It, in fact, I've been reading more about the Plains history. I got this great book. It's called The Great Plains Encyclopedia. And it goes through those insane asylums that were dotted all throughout the Plains. For example, in 1880, there were uh, 500,000 residents of the state of Nebraska, and there were 500 people in these insane asylums. And so the common thought was that people couldn't cope with the weather and the stress, and so they would go insane. Well, number one, you know they weren't properly nourished. And number two, they did in these insane asylums exactly what you just described. They found a way to shut people up and put them in a corner and be quiet. That's all they did. That's what the USDA is doing today. Yep. We, there are so many things that can be done. But, again, government does not deal in solutions. There's no money in solutions. Heck, entire departments could be shut down if you had a solution, for goodness sakes. You know, I mean... We all can pick an example. My favorite is the scrapey deal with sheep. There's a complete network of people that are making a living off of it, and it's almost non-existent. And it's almost now they can genetically test for it practically. I mean, they've got it narrowed down to nothing. But nobody wants to give up the deal. They told us out here. If we go ahead and sign up for another seven years and, and allow testing and everything, then we could be considered scrapey-free and quit with the ear tag business. You know, well, okay, you, when was the last time we had a case? Long, long years ago, uh, but we're still doing it. Uh, years ago, do you guys still vaccinate for the hog collar and all that stuff, or is that passe? No, that's passe. Yeah, they used to have 
every hog, you know, they were always in on this hog collar. It mm. was, even at the time, they knew it was, a mo- it was not even a modified live virus. It was something that, that w- was not a heck of a lot more than giving a calf a seven or an eight way. But it all had to go through a structure. And there were a lot of people that were invested in the structure. Problems solved are, ooh, government programs go away. You know, we all know how to solve the wild horse problem. And we can still have wild horses. We all know how to solve a lot of things. We have out here, fire season, fire season. They got people stomping around here 24 hours a day, flying by, looking for fires. Well, we haven't had any fires yet, even though it's so dry that the lizards are packing canteens. I mean, it's unbelievable. But yet the money's in the fire, not the rehab after the fire, not cool season burning, not doing something that's completely sensible. Well, you could destroy an entire fire industry that is a billion-dollar industry. Same way with USDA programs. Yeah, they should be helping the farmer. Nope. They're keeping the perpetuation of the problemo. Little Spanish there. Mm, perpetuation, not Spanish? No problemo. <laughs> <laughs> no problemo, gotcha. <laughs> I wonder when the last government program that went away was. Ah, uh, boy, I'll tell you what. Uh, I remember, for whatever reason, because it has no value, they were trying to eliminate the tea tasters, mm-hmm. which was some sort of payback after the Boston Tea Party, I guess. And Richard Nixon, you know, for whatever reason, wanted to get rid of it. Well, I guess, as far as I know, he never was able to accomplish that. There's some, at that time, was some board or some group of people that as tea was imported into the United States. I don't think we raise much tea. Uh, I think we raise the anyhow, same amount of tea as we do coffee. Really? Yeah, none. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it, you catch anyhow, on quick. They had this. This was sort of like a, a payback to the to the British or whatever. And, and, and he tried to eliminate this board that tasted the tea to, for what quality, quantity, you know, uh, imperfections. I have no idea. I drink tea once in a while, but you know, and he tried to eliminate that board. Uh, how about the old subsidies? You know, maybe that's a little sensitive subject out in the Midwest. It shouldn't but be. Guess who got that one? We did. The wool growers, the street, the strategic material. Not anymore. They took it away. And ironically, it was the two senators, Little Dick and Harry. From uh, Nevada, took it away or pushed the deal, and I think they took a subsidy off of honey. It wiped out 20% of the uh, wool growers, you know, things like that. Well, now they come back with a program that uh, wasn't as lucrative as the old, you know, we were not wool growers, we were subsidy growers. And, and they still have the mm. thing still exists. But they got graded, they got non-graded, yeah. they got to different grades. Well, then when Australia sold off all of their surplus wool that they had in storage, nobody qualified except the super fine guys and the super coarse guys. Well, now uh, they're trying to reinstitute the program. And uh, who knows? It's just, but it, again, it's a frontal lobotomy for agriculture. Same way to me, the Conservation Reserve Program 
when you cannot use the ground. If you don't want somebody to raise corn and you can raise a crop, another different kind of a crop on that same ground or livestock or, or even hunt pheasants on it, Right. But having the government control the property, who is that helping? I don't understand that CRP deal mm-hmm. at all. Yeah, me either. I bought and a place. And nobody. I nobody. bought a, a place in, uh, oh, what year was that? About 1992. It had CRP acres on it. I got it out immediately. Everybody looked at me like I'm nuts. I'm like, why would I get paid to do nothing? Yeah. Uh, oh. yeah. It takes away your. <clears throat> it takes away your innovation. It takes away your your thought process and it it doesn't help the corn market doesn't help anything at all soybeans or anything else because guess what it's no different than when i was a kid the old set aside that was the big deal in those days you had if you had 1280 acres of wheat you planted 640 you got paid as though you planted this to 1280 well the guy put in more fertilizer, more circle sprinkler, whatever. He he produced more wheat on a 640 than he ever did on a 1280. So then they cut him to 320. And then three. And the scenario was by the time they got him down to 80 acres, he was producing more wheat on the 80 acres he than he was on the 1280. Rural route. Yeah. Hank Bogler, the cyclical world of government. Oh, wait, that's life. We'll be back with more after this. I mentioned it briefly in the first segment, Certified Piedmontese. It's what we do in the beef cattle business. It's because we have a contract. We're proud to say that we have a contract with the Lone Creek Cattle Company to produce a specified product for the consumer, a tender supply of beef, and we can verify that because of the myostatin gene present from the Piedmontese cattle. If you would like to get paid properly for the value of beef that you produce, call Marlon Will and say, how can I do what Trent's doing? LoneCreekCattleCo.com. Welcome back to Roll Route. Trent Luce alongside Hank Vogler checking in north of Spring Valley, Nevada. Um, I don't know. I thought I was going to prove you wrong. And then I can't totally prove you wrong. But Congress voted on May 24th. 1996 to eliminate the tea tasting board but you know i i don't yeah they did they did eliminate the tea importation act of 1897 20 years after nixon tried to get it yeah exactly it took 20 years (laughs) to actually get that board of seven people eliminated who gathered four times a year to taste the tea that was imported it was not. Wow. They're not called tea tasters, just so you know. They're tea, the board of tea examiners. That's what their title. Was. Ah, wow, that's more professional. You yes. know, for goodness' sakes, <laughs> how in the world could we have more people that work at the USDA than there are farmers? Yeah. And then, so everybody could hide and point it at the farmers and block their eyes. And so now we have people that fly drones over feedlots. We have people that are always looking for something going wrong with farming. Mm-hmm. But we have more people that work there, and we tucked the welfare program into the farm. Well, yeah, ultimately it sounds good because they had food involved, but most of the money is spent for the food programs. Yeah. It has nothing to do with farming at all other than that 
there's a certain amount of product that, that is actually goes to those people, but yet they spend enough on the welfare deal they could give every man, woman, and child that's on welfare a huge check and eliminate all the people that have what GS twelves and making a, a good living and, and living in you know I mean, it goes on and on and on. Is that Spanish again? GS twelve. I don't. I don't know what you're talking about. Is it? Don't you start out in government service about GS government service pay rate of oh, uh, five or six, and I then no after idea. you're there for an hour and a half, then you are tenured for life, and unless you murder somebody <laughs> or, or rape somebody on TV, you you cannot get fired. You can turn into a whistleblower, anything in the world, and then you progress up, and uh-huh. so you have people that have no expertise in a certain area, but it's like a union. You know, I mean, I, I've seen this so many times. Uh, it's the ad nauseum. In the little tiny town of Burns, Oregon, we had a mill that uh, employed with the Jippo loggers and stuff like that, about a 1,000 people. It was a renewable natural resource. And over the years, the union got strong. And I do not blame one lady. We had no true minorities. We had one reservation, and there were a few folks that worked off of that reservation in that mill. But they needed, because it was government land, and the government had an idea that the best way to to satisfy everybody was to put in these mandates of you had to hire minorities. So ladies became a minority. And I knew a couple of girls that pulled on the green chain that deserved to be on the green chain because they were strong people. But there were a lot of jobs that ladies could not physically do. And so what did they do? They had to promote them because of the union. So then they had to hire two people to do one person's job. And pretty quick, the feather bedding of so many people working in that mill, ultimately, in a lot of respects, that and the spotted owl that was non-existent in Eastern Oregon, all the rules and regulations by all the government bureaus, shut the mill down and it's gone it is completely gone the mill pond all the jobs everything i mean it's just it was ridiculous but it was all based on government ideas that were not bulletproof government should be protecting the people not coming up with ideas well why do they come up with ideas to justify their job not to help the people job one becomes job one the job the government job and it's incidental if they help somebody by giving him a few bucks for the corn deal or the wheat deal or, or the wool deal. Frontal or lobotomy. It's a frontal lobotomy. Frontal lobotomy. That's Here, my here's word for the day, by the way. Go set in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> uh, almost in a different vein, I've determined that our children today in history are missing one i know that as a kid we were told this i don't know that we were taught or it was explained really well maybe it wasn't even school that i learned this but you know when world war ii starts and the japanese bomb pearl harbor that was not a particularly good time to be an american citizen with japanese roots i don't think our kids are knowing anything about that today hank why would that be left out? Well, uh, probably from both sides of the issues. Mm-hmm. I believe the Japanese were uh, did get some reparation for it, 
but it showed the government, the Democrats, uh, i.e., by, I believe, executive order, a gentleman by the name of Franklin Delano Roosevelt, and hang on, here it comes, here it comes, Trip, the Bolshevik. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we found a way to work it in there every week. More definitions for the Bolshevik. Grandpa said the Bolsheviks would be the problem. Yeah, that was what my grandpa called him, and, and I listened to the Bolsheviks. I never heard about the communists till I was probably in junior high. They, they were Bolsheviks to my grandfather. So he's the one that, in, that decided to move all the Japanese people mm -hmm. off of the coast into the inland, and, and Ontario, Oregon uh, had a, an internment camp. There were several of them in Nevada and, and in Utah and different places. And moved them off of the coast. A very, very ridiculous thing. And uh, and it's like the black folks now, in a way. Okay, it's like the Basco folks, the Irish folks, the Swedes, the Norwegians. Every race that came to this America should pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. When they come here, and they should work very hard to become citizens to have all the rights of an American person. And America does not mean that there, you are African-American, Irish-American, Indian-American. You are American, and all of those other things are set aside as a secondary part of it. Number one is you have to be an American, and those Japanese-Americans, a lot of them joined the United States Army and fought and died in the Second World War, and none of that, nobody wants to talk about it. But we, we can tear a statue down of, of yeah. Christopher Columbus. Well, okay, let's do it. Hell, he didn't even know where he was going, didn't know how to get there. And wound <laughs> He wasn't looking for Plymouth Rock. He didn't even there. find Plymouth Rock. <laughs> no, he never. In fact, the truth is he never His weather rag got America. really messed he, up. <laughs> Yeah, he didn't make it to America. Vespucci Semeticana, or whatever his name was, or whatever. I mean, he never made it. But he got the credit. Yeah. So, okay, all the history professors should be put in jail for that, not not knocking the head off of Christopher Columbus. Yeah. He did something. He took the overpopulation of Europe away from the Europeans and their structure of kings and queens and dukes and duchesses and allowed the great unwashed, the deplorables, to have something and the incentive to own land and to be of the people, by the people, for the people. None of this is taught anymore. We're taught that poor pitiful me 150 years ago, we had slavery. Well, 150 or 200 years ago, the world had slavery. Where do they still have slavery to this day? Well, oh, in Africa, just, where do they have I, genital mutilation? I just read a story this morning, and I'm, I'm only sharing parts of what I read because my friend Roger Savory, who spent time in Africa, who knows Africa, he knows what's going on. He said Saudi Arabia is still castrating black males and selling them as slaves today. Oh, okay. Yeah. So... <clears throat> Do you see anybody over there protesting that? Uh, you know, no, how many because they'd lose their head. Take? Oh, really? Yeah, they would. You know, why, why don't a bunch of them head, go to China? Heads are optional. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, go to you China. think you think in the last three weeks there has been any more uh, vandalism or I don't really want to call it abuse because a statue or a monument you can't abuse it you can uh, destroy it show lack of respect but Abraham Lincoln probably has had more disrespect than anybody in our history in the last three weeks wasn't he kind of involved yeah, they- in freeing the slaves. Well, uh, but, you know, you can you can parse that. He needed the abolitionists to get elected. Mm-hmm. And so it was in his political platform. But, yeah, yeah, all my life he freed the slaves. Uh, and, again, it was uh, 69% of the Africans that came to the New World went to Brazil. Only 19% came to America. Some of them wound up in some pretty rotten places. So if you wound up in Alabama, your family, your heritage, and Abraham, you hit the home run. You're an American. You have the same right as anybody else. I'm but thinking that what did Harney we do County with most monument of the African that, people? <clears throat> Hank Vogler is coming down. I, I, I don't think that monument's going to stay there. <laughs> yeah, well, I, if they've got a monument for me in Harney County, I, I will be the one that falls over. <laughs> but I'm telling you. <laughs> the African families that got here, uh, okay, so they came on a slave ship. All right. Uh, <laughs> they threw my great-grandpa off the ship when they got into the New York Harbor because he accused a guy of cheating in a poker game on the ship. And he had to swim to shore, Didn't even ha- never even had a suitcase. Mm-hmm. And he did really well. And his children did even better. So, okay. You got here. Now you're here. Do something with it. But instead, instead of letting people fish or cut bait, we give them a frontal lobotomy. Mm-hmm. Whether they're black or white or brown, we, we show them how to immediately get on the welfare programs, which perpetuates the welfare program. And whether they get off of it or not, that's, that's, they don't like that to get off. The more they can recruit for that, the more people can work and and in order to go up through the ranks of the union of the government you have to start out at gs whatever and then the gs 11 and 12 i think they get a over a tremendous and with retirement and everything hey let's not rock this boat we're all out we're rocking the boat more after this Folks, can you believe the USDA and Health and Human Services are putting together dietary guidelines without the rigorous science about health and well-being? Get details and empower yourself. NutritionCoalition.us Welcome back to Roll Route. Just like that, we are into the final segment of Roll Route. Have you... Um, Watched my acting debut on Netflix yet, Hank Vogler, the stand at Paxton County? Well, first of all, I uh, <clears throat> don't know how, why, or where, and have not pushed the button or tried to get into the Natty Flexi deal. I don't know how to do that, and I'm not really sure I need It's like Facebook. It's like texting. It's like all that. Boy, do I need one more bad habit. You know, it took me 50 years to put a little modicum of success and I still owe a bucket load of money to a bunch of banks and for goodness sakes, 
do I have time to set it around? Now, I would love to watch the movie, but what? You, and you can't send it on one of them little 45 no. records because I don't know how to do them either. Yeah. Maybe you could send me a news clip and I could see it on my. I do have an iPhone. My wife uh-huh. makes me have an iPhone so well, I can Skype her. Tell way to watch it. <laughs> it. And, I, and you need to watch. Hey, first of all, it's inspired by a true story. Secondly, it addresses yeah. the attack on animal ownership. It brings to light what's really happening. Uh, and thirdly, for the month of May, it was in the top 20 Netflix watched movies on or on Netflix. Wow. Hey, Way to go, that? dude. I I'm know, a, right? I'm going to order my, I'm gonna order my Get chauffeur's hat. Get your copy hat. on 45. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll send you a 45 in the mail. Now, I, I, the, the hole doesn't write. It doesn't fit on my, 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 uh, turntable, uh, record player. Yeah. It doesn't fit on it. You got to cut that hole out, you know? So what's going on in the sheep world this week? Uh, well, the same that was, was last week. We, we, we don't have not sort of found the bottom. Uh, actually the, the live trade, not you know if you got a truckload of sheep you can't give them away, but when people have become aware of there is a limited food supply and when the price gouging and all the crap that's going on, they want to buy stuff from a farmer. And again, they got to get around the USDA reg- rules and regulations on slaughter. But people are calling and wanting one and two, and some of these little small livestock auctions that sell sheep have a better price than if you call up the traders and say, I got a truckload of lambs ready to go to town. Uh, they don't want to give you nothing for them. So again, uh, there is a little positive news out there. Uh, yeah. Uh, if we the can truth, keep the truth of the matter is, and you just described it perfectly. If you're willing to sell your farm commodity one at a time, you can write your own ticket right now. But who wants yeah. to sell one lamb at a time? I mean, that's what we do. That's what, that's just our structure. We've got a hundred sales. We don't do that with the cattle because we're part of the certified Piedmontese system and it kind of works that way. But with our pigs, we sell them one at a time. Not many people are yeah. willing to do that, Hank. Well, no. Uh, and, and, and again, government intervention, uh, Maybe I could get by with 50 cent lambs if my cost of doing business was 40 cents. Mm-hmm. I don't need $3 a pound calves if my cost of doing business is 68 cents. I can get by with 78 cents or right. whatever, whatever's a keeps all the all the uh, dishes on top of the stick, you know. Uh, but it's the same, it's the same darn thing every time you turn around. It, the you you find at the bottom of the barrel the government lurking around preventing you from making a reasonable profit from your from your profits of livestock and things like that that's 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 the hard part you know whether it's whether it's the abuse of of the fire regimen that they've put out for so many years that the that the normal fire has been taken out you know <clears throat> whether you like it or not whether anybody likes it or not we evolved. Our mitochondria, I don't care where you're from, we have the desire to eat, the desire to reproduce, and the desire to dominate, which Freud said went back to the reproduction part. We have negalomania since day one 
of people wanting to control the universe. Genghis Khan had the, the largest. He never quite conquered China. His son Kublai Khan did. But if you read through history, look at Adolf Hitler. He came up with a brand new version of something that made the German people, after the Treaty of Versailles, he told them they're the best on the earth. And it resonated. Right now, we have a gentleman named Qing Jinping. Because his predecessor, Dong Xiaoping, let the genie out of the bottle and let those people have the incentive of freedom. Now, he's trying to get the genie back in the bottle. So he's using nationalism. If you're an Irishman, you still put on the green hat on, on St. Patrick's Day, even though in Ireland you go to church. Yeah. All right. Same thing. It's megalomania. He's trying to get nationalism going because I really and truly think, just like in this country, the people have, met, have morphed. We have morphing to where we have people thinking that we don't need police. We don't need food. You know, we can all whatever. This morphine is going on in China. He's in, I think he's really in trouble. And so he's bristling up to everybody. Look out. You know, what does, what does the, what's the squirrel there in North Korea? Dong, dong, ding, or dong, 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 or whatever his name is. Uh, dong, dong, or something. He, he says the American people are going to eat you, kill you and eat you. And he's made that work for a lot of years. His father did, his grandfather did, all these things. Well, there you go. People are in North Korea hold allegiance. But if he doesn't have enough money to pay off his generals and these other people, he's in trouble. So when he says we're going to shoot a missile at the United States, he knows he can't win, but he rallies the troops. This goes back to the most primitive things in the world. Native American Indians, as my grandmother would call herself. Yeah, The tribes all fought. There's no utopian society. You know, I was just thinking about that as you're walking through that, and back to the word of the day, frontal lobotomy. Uh, and I started by talking about the 1880 insane asylums, which, by the way, led to the whole vegetarian movement because it started by Helen White and uh, the Kellogg's brothers in Battle Creek, Michigan, and they wanted to convert everybody into a, a weaker society, so they tried to get them away from cereal or get them away from bacon and eggs for breakfast and, and create weaker society by putting them on cereal. That's documented. But in the insane asylum and the government was all about shutting people up. We've already been there. But you know where that started in the U.S.? The reservations. Putting the Indians on the you reservation bet. was all about shutting them up. You bet it was. Before they put them on the reservation, they at least had some incentive to stand up, mm -hmm. to fight for what they thought was theirs. Some of them had conquered other. You know, the biggest invention in America, in American history, for the Americans that were not Americans, but the, the people that lived here, was the horse. And all we ever see is pictures of them riding the horse across the prairie. Uh, grandma's people were farmers in North Carolina and and they went out and ringed the trees burned them down and planted corn and, and gourds and, and other things that were edible and they hunted the animals there and they were tribalistic they didn't want some other tribe coming in and taking over their hunting grounds well what did they hunt animals so yeah and the horse came along and all of a sudden what, is it, what do you think the, besides the first one I'm sure they ate 
the second horse, somebody said, you know, that squirrely looking white thing that was on top of that horse that we ate him too, because there was cannibalism. All these things are facts. And you know what? If we got on him, we could go up and pull the whoop whoop on the guys across the street and we could take their ladies. We could take their land and we could run them off and oh, here it comes, enslave them. And that's what they did. The horse was for two or three hundred years was, you know, a hot dog. They even ran into tribes out here in Nevada that were so primitive. They were scared of the horses. And I'm sure the first time the horses come charging over the hill at a group of Indians, more than anything, being curious, I'm sure it scared them to death. So, was yeah, it, was it, we, the, our history is crazy. It was Cortez who actually introduced the horse to North America. Is that correct? Uh, I thought maybe they had horses on practically, yeah. Uh, Coronado had them. Cortez had them. A lot of them had. I don't know if Cristalo Colon had them. But, yeah, that was, as soon as he got back to the old country, uh, you know, they needed mm. a transportation department, you see. And so uh, they, they, the streets in America were paved with gold. You remember that? Yeah. And, and Coronado and, and, and all of the – El Dorado was the place of the, you know, the city of gold. So, yeah, so my they had to have search, transportation. My quick search, which I believe to be true, because uh, I'm just doing it on the fly here. The first horses to come to the main continent of North America, 16 specifically identified horses brought by Hernan Cortez in 1519. Subsequent explorers such as Coronado and De Soto brought even larger numbers from Spain and other breeding establishments set up by the Spanish in the Caribbean. Oh, and by the by, history also proves if you go back far enough, when the ocean was 600 feet lower because of of the uh, freezing and, and the climate mm-hmm. change, the people that came over here from Asia, from other places, 600 feet, you know, they could probably island hop, whatever. They got here, and they ate the horses. They ate the camels. They, they ate the mammoths. There was a lot of animals that disappeared because they brought a better way of putting a hole in the side of a woolly mammoth with a spear and with certain arrows. So there's been a lot of inventions that have come along that have changed the North American continent. You know, the, that is as, almost as amazing as, what is it, Amazon? No, so, I'm not yeah. talking about them. 28% <laughs> increase in sales as a result of the pandemic, which, by the way, they also own the media outlets that telling you that there's a pandemic. I don't fall to that BS, <laughs> but I do have a clock. Well, Can you believe my clock says that we've expired? Just for just for today. Uh, I've had doctors tell me that. <laughs> we've successfully journeyed down the road connecting rural and urban America. Hank Vogler, Trent Luce, we've expired for a Monday. See you tomorrow. <laughs> oh, wait, all roads do lead to a rural route. I about got lost. <laughs> Once again, just want to remind you about the Certified Piedmontese Opportunity. It is up to you to look to a better way. Here's the one thing about today's agriculture. Just doing it the way we've always done it is not going to get you any more than what you've always gotten. 
This is not news. So find a way to add value, but then you must capture the value. For us, we do it through the certified Piedmontese system. Full details about that can be found at LoneCreekCattleCo.com. The premiums are $180 per head. Steers and heifers, straight across the board. It's all the same. Call Marlon Will today. 